the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom and it's a privilege to join you here every Saturday evening on AM 1280 The Patriot. And I'm joined in studio once again, of course, by our producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. And good evening again, Rebecca. Good evening to you. Again, enjoying our beautiful summer. This can go nice and slow. Yes, Let's it just can. Enjoy it. <laughs> I know. It's amazing how quickly it does go, I though. know. Busy, busy stuff, right? Right. We're all inside during the winter, so it just drags on. I know. It does. We we have some exciting news, though. We've got a baby in our family due at the end of August. Our and son congratulations. and his wife are due. Yes, our second son and his wife. We're very excited. Oh, listen to that. I love it. Thank you, John, there. <laughs> that was great. That was real impromptu. That right was there. really yeah. impromptu. Thank you so much. That was fun. Well, we can all agree that it's common for students to experience fear when they contemplate the task of taking on the all-encompassing senior thesis at some point during their educational career. And it's easy to get intimidated when you consider that the senior thesis is the culmination of a student's studies. A good senior thesis should reflect tremendous effort, creativity, and sound moral and logical reasoning. Yes, and at Liberty Classical Academy, Senior Thesis Night represents the climactic point of a Liberty student's education. Now, the Greek word for thesis means something put forth. And specifically, the Liberty student's entire school experience should bring forth fruit over the course of the thesis, including critical thinking, in-depth research skills, persuasive writing, and excellent presentation skills. And these skill sets are then presented in front of a live audience during the two-hour senior thesis event. Mm -hmm. And this is the culmination, like I said earlier, of an entire K-12 education at Liberty Classical Academy. It's the event in which strong rhetoric is on display and Liberty seniors are ready to step out into adulthood with the tools they need to help make an impact on our culture, to help others distinguish between truth and falsehood. Joining us in the studio tonight to help our listeners understand the main tenets of a classical education that prepares students to think well and to think for themselves is Liberty Classical Academy teacher John Han. Mr. Han is the rhetoric and Bible teacher at Liberty Classical Academy. Thank you so much for joining us here in the studio tonight on Education Nation, John. Rebecca, Mark, thanks so much for having me on. It's I'm good to have you. Very here. excited to be here. Yeah, very good. Well, we're going to jump right in and ask you about the term rhetoric. It's the third and final stage of learning in the classical education pattern. Let's begin by asking or having you share with our listeners 
um, what the definition of the term rhetoric um, actually means as it's understood in the classical education approach. Yes, the concept of rhetoric has been around for obviously thousands of years, Mm -hmm. and there have been many, many different definitions put forth uh, that uh, over this vast expanse yeah. of time. Uh, but for just for classical education, I think we could take Aristotle's definition, yes. which is essentially rhetoric is the art of persuasion. Mm-hmm. That definition has proven very lasting over the, the years, I think mm-hmm. largely due to its simplicity, and it's quite easy to remember. Uh, it touches on the very core of this idea of rhetoric, which is the skillful utilization of available means in order to change someone's mind. Mm -hmm. However, that's for just the classical Mm -hmm. idea. At Liberty, we are a Christian classical Mm -hmm. educational institution. So I think there needs to be more than just the art of persuasion, which can turn into the craft of sophistry very easily. So I think rhetoric in... Which, maybe tell tell our listeners what sophistry means. Yes, good question. Mm -hmm. So sophistry is using means of persuasion to get your own way. Mm-hmm. It's completely uh, divorced from truth mm-hmm. and the idea of pursuing truth, the idea that uh, you can use uh, the the tactics of rhetoric to uh, convince people of whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what most of our... Yeah, mm-hmm. it can be become ma- manipulation. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what most people have this connotation of when it comes to rhetoric. They mm-hmm. think of... Politics. Sneaky politicians <laughs> or you know, people just using, using funny sound bites or, or words to, to get their own way. But yeah. um, really, I think the true meaning of rhetoric is in the Christian sense, this Christian classical sense of education, which is the art of articulating truth with authority, influence, competence, and respectability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to be tied to the pursuit of of truth. Mm-hmm. That's really what, where good rhetoric lies. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. excellent. Um, prior to entering the rhetoric stage, students will have discovered facts and rules of each subject in the first stage of a classical education, which is known as the grammar stage. And then in the middle school, they uh, progress to what we call the logic stage. Could you define for us what the logic stage entails and what key learning takes place in this stage that prepares students for the rhetoric stage? Yes, in the the logic or dialectic stage of the classical education, Mm -hmm. uh, students are really starting to question the facts, question the authority. They want to go that next step deeper. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want to know more than just that something is or something exists or that such and such thing is true. They want to know why. Mm -hmm. They want to know the logic behind it. During this stage, students learn reasoning and informal and formal logic. Uh, they practice using these tools. Uh, for, for example, with my seventh graders. So mm-hmm. I teach a seventh grade Christian worldview and Bible course. Uh, in this class, I talk to the students about Trinity. And it's, that's something that's a, it's a big concept. Yeah. And up to this point in the grammar stage, it's just, well, here, you know, this is the way it is. There's Trinity, our, our father's three in one. But now the students, they're in this logic phase of learning, and they want to know, well, wait a second. Mm-hmm. How can this be? Right. Isn't this illogical? They want to explore <laughs> yeah. the depths behind it. They want to sure. know why. Mm-hmm. And indeed, that realization that there is logic and reason behind concepts and ideas sets the students up for the next phase, which is the rhetoric phase, uh, in which they're, uh, they're using these reasoning abilities to form their own conclusions 
uh, and communicate those conclusions to others eloquently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So important. You know, the process and the culmination of being able to analyze and combine information is taught and it's formed in several stages during the rhetoric stage in a classical education curriculum. Part of the preparation involves two years of what's known as formal rhetoric. Could you explain what students typically learn under your instruction in laying the foundation with formal rhetoric? Yeah, and here I need to to preface this a little bit. So I have not been personally the instructor for the ninth and 10th grade rhetoric Mm -hmm. classes, which would be the the formal rhetoric training classes. But I can tell you at Liberty what the program is about and what we want to teach them in this formal rhetoric phase. Uh, with these classes. And it it really is focused around what are known as the five canons of rhetoric. The five canons of rhetoric are invention, arrangement, style, memory, and delivery. And if I can explain a little bit about what these are. Please do, yeah. So invention, this is really where logic is most clearly on display. Invention is the skill of creating and discovering arguments, reasons for something. Uh, it's where they're putting in, taking original thought and the thoughts of others, they're, they're doing research and they're finding the, the arguments to support something. Mm-hmm. That's, they're, they're inventing. So that's the first stage. And that's where they've been set up through their entire education, especially in the logic phase, to, to do this invention uh, canon of rhetoric. Okay. That's only the first part of it. The next part is arrangement. You have to have more than just good arguments. You need mm-hmm. to put them in an order an order that is understandable and clear, a way for people to follow your thoughts. Mm-hmm. I mean, for these students, it's always funny to me and how much it surprises them to when they finally get their heads around the fact that, oh, I'm trying to explain something to someone, but my thoughts aren't clear normally. I have to order them. I have right. to, to shape them into something that, that people can follow. It's kind of like... Uh, if you're trying to explain something, trying to get your thought into another person's head, mm-hmm. it's like trying to verbally guide a blind person through a mm-hmm. dark forest that's yep. full of perils and, mm-hmm. and thorns and brambles. It's a good analogy. And, mm-hmm. and so we, we talk about road mapping. We talk about that clarity, and it's all part of that arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use the, the classical arrangement, which is the six parts of discourse, which starts with an introduction. And then they need to do statement of fact, and then they need to do a, what's called a division, where they do this roadmap, where they lay out the points that they're going to be talking about. Then they enter into the formal argumentation, where they're proving their point in a confirmation, and then arguing against the points against them, or, or, mm-hmm. or refuting, responding to yes, mm-hmm. responding to points against them, the refutation, mm-hmm. and then a conclusion at the end. Mm-hmm. So that's arrangement. Uh, the next. Uh, the next canon of rhetoric is style. And style is all about communicating with, uh, with pleasure mm-hmm. in a way that is pleasureful to the listener. But it's more than just adding sugar to your thoughts. It's really making your thoughts more real in the minds of your audience. It's the difference between drawing a simple outline of a tree and painting a, a tree with full color mm. and shading and scenery. Mm. It, it involves the craft of of word choice and figures of speech and figures of thought. These are methods of manipulating uh, sentence structure, Mm -hmm. um, the way the words are fitting together, the way the paragraphs are fitting together. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if we want to, we could go down what those those mean. But for the sake of time, I think yeah. I'll go yeah. on to the, the But it makes one. it interesting, basically. Yes. Style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The style is, mm-hmm. it makes it, it's like the grease yes. that, that mm-hmm. helps mm-hmm. the idea get into the mind mm-hmm. of the, the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then memory. Memory is the so-called uh, lost canon of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. We think, oh, okay, well, we've got... Uh, cell phones, we've got you know paper in abundance. You know why why memorize? So it, it comes from a misunderstanding. Memory isn't just memorizing words. Mm-hmm. It's right. an, it's not just the the rote memory. It's about really understanding your subject. It's mm-hmm. about getting it into not just your mind, yes. so you're you're repeating words, but your heart. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you're speaking from. Your heart. You no longer need to memorize words. You memorize ideas, and then the arrangement of how you want to put those ideas right. together. And when they are memorized too, you can, like you say, you can really have a lot more, um, uh, I guess, emotion when you're mm-hmm. talking about it because you're not so busy thinking about what it is you're going to say. You right. can think more about how you're going to say. It. You can exactly. look at your audience. You can have the exactly. eye contact with the people and really establish that connection that you wouldn't have had if you were busy looking at your notes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It opens you up to be a human being and yeah. to make a, a, yeah. a human connection with your audience yeah. instead of uh, just tied to a piece of paper or tied to a, uh, a piece of paper that's memorized yes. in the brain. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. so the last canon of rhetoric is the simplest one, I think, in in an explanation, it's mm-hmm. delivery, mm-hmm. which is where students learn to use their bodies and voices together uh, to make their thoughts persuasive. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. It's so interesting. I keep thinking as you've been talking about this, if I were a high school student and you were describing all of this to me, I'd be thinking, <laughs> let's see. When I'm going to convince my mom and dad of something yeah. I want to do, <laughs> I naturally do these things, right? They naturally order the the arguments in a way mm-hmm. that they know is going to be the most persuasive order. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they're going to pick the right time to talk to their parents. They're going to, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to put the emotion into it. They're going to pull the heartstrings. And <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be well thought out uh, to a higher degree. Right. Be on guard, right? And actually, yeah. that, that reminds me of one other aspect of... Of this in the five canons of rhetoric, there's also the the modes of persuasion, mm. which are pathos, mm-hmm. ethos, and logos. Okay, and so uh, we use all three of them whenever we want to persuade, and, and persuasion happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, all communication is persuasive in mm-hmm. nature, mm-hmm. even if you're just trying to inform someone about something, you're still trying to persuade them that oh, this is how you do this, mm-hmm. or this is what mm-hmm. this is. So the modes of persuasion, so pathos is all about that emotive part. You talked about pulling on the heartstrings of their parents. Uh, That's a very strongly uh, persuasive element. Mm -hmm. And uh, the classical authors talked about that as being one of the most persuasive. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, we need to make sure there's logos in there. And that's Mm -hmm. that's where this invention Mm -hmm. component comes into play, where we're actually focusing on truth, on the logic, on the reason of it, and making sure we're not just spewing lies or... or Mm -hmm getting our own way. Mm-hmm. The most persuasive mode of persuasion, actually, what classical authors thought was ethos. Hmm. And that's your your credibility hmm. as a speaker. Hmm. If you show up and you are looking ragged or you're using language that doesn't connect with your audience, if you mm-hmm. don't come off as someone who's knowledgeable about your subject, 
people mm-hmm. aren't going to trust you. Mm-hmm. Ethos is all about establishing trust with your audience. And if your audience trusts you, you can say a lot of things mm-hmm. and people will just take Believe it. Mm-hmm. And so it can be dangerous in the mm-hmm. use of sophistry, but, yes. but in the pursuit of truth, man, it can be very, powerful. very powerful. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Isn't it? It is. And because you do see these things at work in the culture. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you see a lot of the um, the pathos, your first one, the yes. emotion yes. In, with separation oh, from Logos mm-hmm. or Logos, just like you were saying. And so just, you know, pulling on heartstrings. And uh, I mean, that's been one of the ways that the whole LGBT movement has yes. has gained so much ground. Oh, yeah. Um and and people are really drawn in because of course you know when you know someone that's struggling with these issues which you know I do too you 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 have passion compassion for them and you love them and you want them yeah. to be well and so it's easier to just give in and say oh well it's it's all fine what you're doing is fine rather than um, actually looking at um, the truth of what's best for you, the Logos part. And I, I think the there's actually a really strong ethos component in there as well though mm. because as if someone is struggling for whatever reason, you know, maybe they have suffered abuse in their past or mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason they're struggling with their, their identity or their sexual orientation, whatever it may be. And they find themselves in a, a community, this you know, a homosexual or LGBTQ mm-hmm. community, that community establishes trust. They establish mm-hmm. that they're, they're open, point. they're mm-hmm. kind, they're caring, mm-hmm. they're, they're tolerant, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it makes them very, very easy to trust. Mm-hmm. And then you start – it's so much easier to believe what someone says and to to not question the logos of it mm-hmm. when you're just operating on pathos and ethos. Yeah, but, uh, really yeah there has been a loss of logos mm-hmm. in, in a lot of places in our culture. Yeah, and when really you can important. discern between the different avenues of discernment there – that really helps you discern, I mean, between what's truth and what's just pure emotion. Absolutely. I mean, being able to separate is very important. You know, I mean, you want them, obviously, to be intermingled, but mm-hmm. you need to know the differences, That's why too. it's important that our students get logic. I wish every student in America, yeah. <laughs> Western oh, civilization, had yeah. to take logic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you were listening to Education Nation here on AM 1280. The Patriot, our guest this weekend, is Mr. John Han. He is a Liberty Classical Academy teacher in Bible and Rhetoric, and we are discussing Senior Thesis Night and the components that go into a very, very informative senior thesis project. So by the time teenagers enter the rhetoric stage, say in the ninth grade, they're at a point of development in which they are concerned with being heard and expressing themselves clearly. Um, does Under the classical curriculum there at Liberty, is the Socratic method uh, taught in the rhetoric stage? And if so, what is this style of teaching and what do you hope to accomplish in the lives of your students with this style of teaching. Yeah, yeah, the Socratic method is great. I, I use it quite often. This style of teaching essentially utilizes the student's own mind mm-hmm. to discover presuppositions, uncover assumptions behind statements or arguments, and find answers for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a method that, uh, that makes students answer questions that progressively lead them to the point at hand. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an exercise in following a trail of reasons and logic. So through using the scientific, or scientific, the Socratic <laughs> method, I hope to get these students to think for themselves, mm-hmm. and to think hard, and to realize that if they, you can do the Socratic method to yourself, mm-hmm. and you can ask questions of yourself and, and progressively look at the answers. Mm-hmm. And we want our students to think. Mm-hmm. And so the Socratic yeah. method 
makes them do teaches that. them to do that yes. exactly. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know, over um, in this uh, curriculum, while you're teaching rhetoric, you're preparing the students over four semesters for the chief assignment of the classical education experience. And again, that's the senior thesis. And before reaching that assignment, though, take our listeners through the process of preparing students for that challenge. Specifically, what skills will the students acquire? as they work on speeches and position papers prior to taking on the senior thesis. Yeah, prior to taking on the senior thesis, students, they learn that formal and informal logic and learn to invent and arrange their own arguments in several ways. Mm -hmm. They do confirmation papers, they'll do refutation papers, comparison papers, something called a a declamation, which is like uh, uh, putting them in a situation where they're a lawyer and they either have to defend the letter of the law or, or you know, try to say, well, no, the spirit of the law is this. And uh, those are really fun yes. uh-huh. uh, assignments for the students. Students also learn to research and craft a thesis statement. Mm-hmm. And these are not just in rhetoric classes, right, right. by the no, way. These are history and yes. science and English mm-hmm. classes that they're doing these. Uh, they learn uh, various stylistic devices to enhance their communication. Mm-hmm. They learn to stand and deliver Uh, With clarity, appropriate dynamics and emotion, eye contact, gesticulations, body language, all of it. And they do this uh, throughout. And I've seen this, especially this delivery component, throughout the entire Liberty education, on down to very young ages where they're presenting poems and and pieces Mm -hmm. with great delivery. And they're Mm -hmm. they're great in great ways. And that's also why we require drama for the students as well. Yes. For the delivery uh, yes, the delivery mm-hmm. is very similar to drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so in their junior year, they take a junior thesis class, which will prepare them to learn how to manage, project manage a, a large paper like this. Mm-hmm. Because a 10 to 20 page paper for these students is going to be a, not mm-hmm. an uncommon thing in college. Mm-hmm. Right. They need to be ready to say, okay, how am I going to break this down? Mm-hmm. So there's a very practical element there. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, the senior thesis is a process that all the seniors go through during the second half of their final school year. And again, it's the culmination of the classical education experience at Liberty Classical Academy. And as you talked about, all the preparation leads them to be ready for this. Can you share with our listeners the type of topic that each student must choose for their thesis? And can you also share some of the examples of topics that have been researched and presented by some of the seniors? Yeah, definitely. So, We want these students to impact the culture for Christ. Mm -hmm. As such, the topic of their senior thesis must be on a culturally relevant moral controversy. So we've had students take on the topics uh, topics related to Planned Parenthood, Mm -hmm. same-sex marriage, the IRS, illegal immigration, American education system, just to name a few. They're so interesting. I know that this is one of my favorite nights of the year. Actually, there are multiple nights because um, you can't fit them all in one night. But um, it is just so interesting to hear these kids uh, present their topics. Um, So once the student selects a controversial moral topic for research and presentation, they find a mentor to accompany them in the thesis process. Can you explain what type of help the mentor provides as they walk through the process together? Yes. The mentor is such a vital and important part of this project. Sometimes I even recommend students to go find a great mentor, someone who will, will shepherd them and guide them, and then together with their mentor, pick a topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be really, really fruitful because the mentor is such an important part. They, they serve as an encourager throughout the entire process. And it's a hard process and a long mm-hmm. process. They need the encouragement. Yeah. Uh, but the mm-hmm. mentor also serves as a source of ideas 
uh, through the invention stage. They'll challenge their arguments. They'll uh, try to make sure the students are thinking about the, the whole picture. Are they, are they really engaging with the opposition or are they just making straw man arguments, mm-hmm. which is very common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens mm-hmm. a lot. So we yes. like to caricature yes. our opposition. Yes, mm-hmm. which is so what a straw man ar- argument is, just mm-hmm. in case, because nobody has logic these oh, days, gosh, so they yeah, might not yeah. even know what a straw man yeah. argument is. And, and just a sidebar note, too, on, on the mentor role. I mean, the really neat thing about it, it's not always what you know, but it's who you know. So you're yes. building mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. too, with people that are, you know. True intermingled like with expertise in this area of discussion. Mm-hmm. You never know where that connection leads to yeah, later on. good point. So it's iron sharpening iron. Yes. yes is really mm-hmm. what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Well, after securing a mentor for the thesis, the student uh, will then research the topic and take a position that they will defend. So take our listeners through the process of a student preparing the research, and how exactly do they then present the research? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, students will take uh, about two weeks of dedicated research in school. They'll uh, be in the library. They'll be uh, in books in the class. They'll be online. Uh, the research will always include real books. They, they need to do that. Uh, and it will involve the real arguments on both sides. I, I push them very hard, and I check them to, to try to make sure that they are actually engaging with published opposition. They're not just finding some crazy person on a blog <laughs> who happens to disagree yeah. with them but is you know just a caricature. Right. That's not mm-hmm. who we want them arguing yes. against. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they have to prepare this research in note cards or in notebooks, mm-hmm. and they prepare quite a bit of it, so it's two weeks. Mm-hmm. The research is then distilled and presented through what we call the research outline. And this is a list of 10 arguments. So this is, as they're going through their research, they are identifying the arguments. So an argument meaning the, the position and then the defense behind it, the reasons mm-hmm. behind that position. So they need mm-hmm. to find 10, mm-hmm. five, for their si- or five for one side and then five for the other, and, mm-hmm. and then weigh those two sides, weigh the best arguments on both sides and pick which one has the strongest arguments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Well, as they present their research, they're given the opportunity to incorporate every skill required over the course of their educational experience to defend their position taken for the thesis. And we're, we're getting short on time here, so if we can try to um, articulate the answers quickly, because we want to make sure we get through the whole process, John, for our mm-hmm. listeners. But can you explain what the challenges are that the senior students face as they seek to defend the position they've chosen for the thesis? Yeah, the biggest challenge is raising the courage within themselves to do it Mm -hmm. because it is a very high-pressure situation. I mean, these students are getting up on a stage in front of their friends, their family, their peers, Mm -hmm. delivering a 10-minute speech based on their research from memory Mm -hmm. and then have to respond to questions from a panel of judges who consist of usually lawyers, philosophers, Mm -hmm. published authors. I mean, this is a high-pressure situation. It is. It is. It's courage. Yes, it really does. That's amazing. I'd be nervous. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, through the entire process, too, you know, what different skill sets are you trying to leave the student with as they graduate from Liberty? Really two things. Primarily, we want the students to have the ability to think and speak. We want them Mm -hmm. to think through and speak the truth with courage and power. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we want the students to have the ability to manage a big, high-pressure project. So mm-hmm. We want capable students. And yes. we think those two things are really important yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then quickly, why is the ability to support opinions with the logical analysis so important for students as they move on to engage the culture? Yeah, the quick answer is that the values we teach at Liberty are 
probably going to be fired upon and challenged pretty regularly as mm-hmm. they get out into the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want our students to be able to think clearly and defend this, defend the truth. But that defensive stance is really only the reactive part, you know, withstanding the impact culture makes. We are more interested in the proactive aspect, impacting the culture for Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do we want to do this? So it's because we believe a culture ruled by Christ is going to be uh, the most joyful life for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then how does uh, getting students to support opinions with logical analysis uh, proactively impact the culture for Christ? I think it fulfills a God-given purpose Mm -hmm. in us. Mm -hmm. I mean, without the ability to be reasonable, we can't think. And we're tossed around by by the whims of of our our emotions and instincts like animals. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we we need to not be like animals. We need to to think. We need to be able to support our opinions with logical analysis in order to really live the good life that God has for yeah. us. And on that note, thank you so much thank for you, being here, John, and for all your work with those students at Liberty Classical Academy. Thank you to our listeners, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.